Welcome to the Powerhouse Youth Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today, and we hope that this builds you up and helps you live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Hey, man, I hope that you're doing good. I know worship, man, was awesome. You could really sense the presence of the Lord. Uh, We're going to jump into uh, the Word and all tonight, but I have uh, a couple of things I want to remind you of. One, um, uh, hey there. One, uh, see you at the poll is September 23rd. I want to challenge you. Be a part of that at your school. Man, be praying about what the Lord is calling you to do uh, just at your school this year at the flagpole. It's a great opportunity to gather uh, gather believers together and pray over your school, your teachers, all those things for the school year. Lord knows 2020 could use some prayer. Can I get an amen? Amen. Um, and uh, also, I want to let you know tonight... Uh, Right after service, one, we're going to have late night with uh, our favorite guest, Little Debbie. Any, you don't know who Little Debbie is? (laughs) Little Debbie's delicious, that's, that's who. Okay, okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're having a late night. Little Debbie's us. We will be hanging out. But uh, after that, we're going to actually do a little meeting uh, with anybody who's interested in, in being a part of on-campus ministry this year. So if you want to be involved in what's kind of going on at your school as far as Christian ministry, uh, we're actually going to meet together and talk about it for a few minutes. So come and be a part of that. It'll be, uh, it'll be something good uh, for you to be a part of this year. Amen? Want to... Why does everyone but Germans seem like they could really take a nap tonight? I drank a bang before service. I'm feeling pretty good. They might not be healthy, but I feel pretty good. So, <laughs> hey, uh, last week, who remembers what we talked about? Little fib wasn't last week. That was, that was a while ago, but I, I'm glad you remember. What did we talk about? We talked about going fishing, right? And what not talking about getting fish, but we're fishing for what? Fishing for men. We're fishing for people. And so, hey, our big challenge to you last week was to take some time this week, pray about what the Lord's kind of laying on your heart. What does this year look like? How can you uh, how can you use your influence, your talents, your abilities to build the kingdom of God at your school? And so uh, tonight, I hope we kind of encourage you to do that a little bit more, but I, I pray that whatever God's been laying on your heart, that you would have the boldness to do, right? It's amazing that, uh, you know, we, we bragged on uh, Zane a little bit last week. He invited a friend to our back-to-school bash. He got saved. It influenced his family and also Zane's family, right? And, and we, we kind of bragged on that. It's such an awesome story. But isn't it amazing that God can take something so small and do something so big out of it, right? Isn't it amazing, like when you read through the Bible, that God doesn't take the most eloquent, he doesn't take the most gifted, he doesn't take the most popular, but he'll take anyone who says, I'm willing to be used by you as a vessel. And I hope that over the last few weeks, as we've been been really challenging you, encouraging you to look at this school year differently, I hope we have some people here that say, you know what, this year, I don't want it to be like every other year. This year, I want, it to, I want uh, to, to live out a year where I'm being used by God as a vessel to reach my friends, to reach my family. And, um, and I hope that that's your heart tonight. And so uh, with that said, um, I want to stop. I want to say a prayer, and then we're going to jump into the message, okay? And so if you would bow your heads with me. 
And Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for every person that's here. God, we thank you that we were able to come and just worship you. And uh, God, we just ask that you would come. You would speak to our hearts. You would direct us. You would guide us. You'd lead us tonight and help us to draw closer to you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Okay, tonight, if you've got your Bible, you got your phone, click or turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. If you don't have that, it will be on the... I just let y'all argue about it every week because we're split. A lot of people are passionate about it either way. Um, so tonight, we're going to be out of Genesis 32. I've been going through some of these Old Testament stories the last month or so, and uh, man, it, it just kind of refreshed, a, a, I don't know, just an excitement in me a little bit. And so tonight, we're going to look at uh, just a little portion of uh, this guy's story by the name of Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Give me your best Luke mispronunciation form of Jacob. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so I want to give you a rundown, uh, just a, a quick uh, like a summation of where we are in his story. Uh, because honestly, when you go through the, the story of Jacob, there's tons of stuff you can talk about. Um, and there's a lot of things. And honestly, Jacob isn't like the best example to follow in a lot of ways. His name, sorry, Jacob, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the Jacob in the Bible. Everyone was smirking besides Jacob. Uh, so Jacob in the Bible, his name means deceiver. How would you like your name to be deceiver? <laughs> it's like, no, okay. <laughs> Poor Jacob. I'm sorry, okay. Um, his name literally means deceiver. If you, if you remember, Jacob had a brother. His name was who? Esau. What was the characteristic that defined Esau? He's hairy. Yeah, everybody knows. Isn't that like, that's kind of a bad characteristic to be defined by? Yeah, I'm just hairy. <laughs> oh, cool, okay. Okay, so Esau, he's hairy. Remember, um, Jacob gets his brother Esau to trade his birthright for a what? A bowl of stew. Okay, so either Jacob is an excellent cook or Esau is a little dumb or maybe a combination of the two. Anyone you've ever been hungry enough that you would trade just about anything? <laughs> okay, yeah, we've, we've probably all been there. You get a little hangry? Yeah, that's me. If I don't get a snack pretty quick, I mean, things could turn bad, right? Um, and so it's interesting, Jacob, he kind of steals this birthright from his brother Esau, and then also uh, later on, he steals uh, the, the blessing of the firstborn. He steals this blessing from his father, right? Esau goes out to kill game. Jacob puts like goat skin over his arms because he needs to feel like Esau, because Esau, I don't know how hairy he was, but is that not just nasty? He needed to feel like Esau, so he had goat skin. Like, mmm, that's so nice. And uh, it's just disgusting to, to think about this. And he goes into his father, right, and, and he blesses him, kind of tricks him into this blessing. And, and when Esau comes back, he's pretty upset. Y'all remember what happens? He's, he's threatening to kill his brother, Okay, like some of y'all, you get mad when somebody eats like the last chip out the bag, eats the last like little Debbie out the box and leaves the box in the pantry that used to get me. Um, like all of us, we've been there. Like we get mad about some little stuff. Esau gets his, uh, both his birthright and blessing taken away from him, kind of stolen or manipulated away from him. And so he's pretty upset. He's threatening to kill Jacob, okay? We kind of understand uh, why he's mad and upset about this. And so um, uh, uh, Jacob's father, he actually sends 
uh, Jacob away because he's scared Esau's gonna kill him, okay? So he sends his son away to uh, his uncle Laban's house. There's, uh, if you wanna read through the story, y'all, there's some pretty sketch stuff that happens while he's at his uncle Laban's house, but he winds up uh, coming back with two wives. The Bible is not condoning that practice. All the guys are like, all right, uh, no. <laughs> Um, that is not okay, okay? We can talk about that later. I don't really even know much of what to say, to be honest. Um, but here's, here's what's kind of specific. Here's what's significant, okay? And, and this is where we're about to pick up in the story. In Genesis 31, God speaks to Jacob. And he tells Jacob to come home from uh, the land of his uncle, to come home from this, this foreign land and to come back to the land of his fathers, to come back to the land of, of Israel, okay? And so Jacob, uh, we're picking up at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 32, verse 1, Jacob is about to be obedient, okay? And I, I want to give you a few truths tonight to hold on to uh, that I think will encourage you. Verse 1, this is what it says, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. We're going to pretend like that's how you say it. Okay, think about this for just a second. There's something significant here. I believe that, that it's cool that God speaks to Jacob in, in chapter 31. He tells him to go home, right? And, and as soon as Jacob begins to step out and to be obedient to, to the call of God, to the will of God, and what God has commanded him, as soon as he takes that step and begins to return home, God meets him, right? God meets him, and, and I think it's so powerful because a lot of times I, I really think in our lives, God, God wants to pour out something in us. He wants to move in our life. He wants to have an encounter with us, and, and I think a lot of times he, he desires to see us take like our first step of obedience, right? When the Bible says once you seek God, you'll find him. A lot of times God will lay something on your heart, and he wants to see if you will be obedient to do it. Man, and honestly, a lot of us, you know, we, we hear the impression of God. We hear God maybe lay things on our hearts or tug on our hearts. And maybe we know some things that we should just be doing as believers, period. And a lot of times we struggle to take that step of obedience, right? And so tonight, I want to encourage you. Would, would you have the boldness in your life to trust God even if it doesn't make sense? Would you have the boldness in, in your life, to, the, this, this characteristic, the character to be obedient to the call of God? Hey, the last few weeks, God has been laying some things on people's hearts about what this school year looks like, that this year is supposed to be different. We were praying on our, our beach trip, and a lot of us, we were having encounters with God, and we, we walked away saying that this year was going to be different than last year. Like, God is going to do something in my school. God is going to do something in my family. Like, all of these things. And listen, God may have placed that on your heart, but what you need to do is you need to take the first step. You can receive the Word of God and not take a step, and it never come to pass, because you must also be obedient. Does this make sense? You have to walk in it. You have to, you have to take a step as well. And so Jacob hears the word of God. He's obedient. He steps into this. And as soon as he takes a step and he begins to return home, God meets him there. And it says, Jacob sees angels. Y'all, who would like to see an angel? Pretty cool. Okay. This is not some mystical, weird thing. This is something true. This is something we see that that's biblical. There's a spiritual realm. There, there are angels. There are demons. This, this is Real, it's not just something you see in movies that creep you out, okay? Some of y'all are like, what? <laughs> are you serious? 
Okay, so what I also like here is Jacob, he, he hears this word of the Lord, he steps out, he, he takes this step of obedience, and, and what does he not do? He doesn't begin to ask God all these questions. He doesn't play 20 questions with God. Have you ever like, felt like God was calling you to do something and you just, like, but I mean, but if I do that, God, you know, like, how does this work out? Or like, what, what does this do? Or my brother Esau wanted to kill me when I was there last time. Like, is he still gonna kill me? Like, what, like what's going on? Like, who in here are you overanalyze things? God speaks to you and you're like, well, I mean, technically, you know, if I do this or that, then this could happen or what? And it's like, hey, wait a second. Maybe we should be a little more like Jacob and say, I'm going to step out and trust God, even if he doesn't give all the answers, right? Because biblically, scripturally, what we see time and time again is often God doesn't give us every step of our future in our life, but God will give you the next step. God will guide you to the next step. And, and this is what it does. It engages faith in your life that you have to learn to trust God. So you are not leading your life, but he is. Because if you feel like you know every step and you've planned this thing out, you feel like you are directing your life. But when you don't know what's next, when, when God tells you to do something and you don't know exactly how it's gonna work out, right? You have to trust him, right? And so I wanna tell you, be okay with stepping out, being obedient, even if you don't know what it looks like, even if it's something crazy that doesn't make sense. Even if you're Jacob and God tells you to go back to the land of your fathers where your brother is that might cut your head off, Go back, okay? Because God's got your back, right? You got me? You feel me? Some of y'all are like, man, I'm ready to take a nap. Well, wake up, because this is good. Okay, and so what I also think is significant, what's happening here is this, this season that Jacob is in when he's at his uncle Laban's, this is really, uh, I think, symbolic of this season Jacob is far away from God. He's not really spending time with God. His heart isn't with God. He's about to have an encounter with God. If you're not, in, uh, if you're not familiar with this passage in Genesis chapter 32, and, and so uh, what, what's happening is I believe when God is calling him to return to the land of his fathers, God is saying, also, it's time for you to come back to me. Your heart has been far from me. You've been living in chaos. You've been seeking after the things of the world. You've been getting two wives and getting in drama and all these other things. It's time for your heart to come back where it belongs, come back to, to seek me. And I think it's, it's really kind of a significant thing. God's calling Jacob to leave the worldliness behind so he could be who God has called him to be. And this is my first point tonight. I want you to, to write it down if you're taking notes, but it's that God will call us to walk away from the world if we're ever going to be the person that he has called us to be. Last week, we talked about following Jesus costs something. A lot of times we don't believe that in America because we haven't faced such persecution. We don't, we don't know a lot about that right in our normal, typical, everyday lives. But listen, God calls us to walk away from things. If you wanna live the life that God has called you to live, if you wanna be the person God has called you to be, you're gonna have to leave behind some things, right? You're gonna have to begin to, to follow after him. You're gonna have to leave behind some sins, some, some bad relationships, some bad issues, some bad habits. You're gonna have to deny yourself when your flesh is uh, wanting to, to run after something you know that you shouldn't, right? We're, we're all, we've all been there. You've got to leave some things behind if you wanna be everything that God has called you to be. And this school year is no different. This school year, a lot of you when, when you, when you hear the word of the Lord and you feel like he's tugging that this year is gonna be different or I need to do something different, hey, for a lot of you, that means leaving things behind. That means things last year that you got caught up in, drama, issue, relationships, stupidity, sin. It's, it means leaving those things behind and not picking them back up, 
right? To, to go back to the land of, uh, for Jacob to go back to the land of his fathers, he had to leave the land of Laban, right? You have to leave behind some things to come and be the person that God has called you to be. Amen? And so Jacob, he leaves Laban's. He starts his journey home, and, and he sees uh, these angels. He's having this kind of encounter with God. And then, and then when you progress in, in, in chapter 32 a little bit, he's getting closer uh, to the land of his fathers. And what happens is Jacob begins to get really nervous. If you're Jacob, why would you be nervous? Because you might die, Okay. Kind of makes sense, right? That would probably be all of our uh, feelings a little bit. And so he gets close. He's getting nervous uh, because he's scared to see Esau, his brother. He wants to know, is my brother still wanting to kill me? Okay, pretty significant question. Okay, and so um, when he gets closer, Jacob sends a couple of messengers before him uh, to his brother Esau to fill him out and to see if he's angry. This is what happens. This is kind of funny. In verse 6, It says, the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you and there are 400 men with him. (laughs) What are your thoughts? If you're Jacob, you're just like, "Uh (laughs) like your stomach just kind of sinks, right? It's like, okay, God, you told me to go home. Like, do you just want me to die? Like, what's happening here? Right? I mean, all of us, we'd be a little bit worried. Hey, there's not only is my brother mad and he's hairy, so he's probably like this manly guy who could beat me up, rub me with his arm to death until I bleed. (laughs) Don't know where that thought came from, but we're just going to continue to go on. He's coming with 400 guys that'll beat you up. This doesn't look very good, right? And so even after Jacob makes this step of obedience, he's kind of had this encounter. He's seen, he's seen angels, right? Uh, there, there's still this moment that's tough. He's still in this situation where he has to decide, will I obey God or will I go back to the place where I came? Right? If, if you're Jacob, you're probably thinking, well, I might just go back to Uncle Laban's house because at least Esau won't cut my head off. So he has, he's, he's in this moment, and he has to choose if he's going to continue to be obedient. And this is my second point. If you're, if you're writing, you're taking notes. Write this down. You have to choose if you're going to continue to trust God. Because there's a lot of people that want to tell you that being a Christian and being a follower of Christ, that every day is going to be easy, and everything's going to be smooth sailing and rainbows and butterflies. But listen, cupcake, that's not true. It's not. Things are hard sometimes. Things are difficult. What happens when God told you to to lead a group at your school and you go and you step out and the first week you're the only one there? (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm going to preach to myself. (laughs) What happens? What happens when when it gets hard? What happens when, when one of your friends makes fun of you because you decide not to live that lifestyle again this year? What happens when you walk away, when, when you break up with that boyfriend or girlfriend because they keep dragging you down? What, what happens when things get difficult? Because what often happens in young people's lives is, is things get hard and we go back to the old thing. We go back to the old life. We go back to the old way. And so if we're in Jacob's story, instead of pressing on and doing what God has called us to do and returning to the land of our fathers, we go back to Uncle Laban's house and chill, right? It's easy to go back. It's easy to return. You know what's easy? It's easy going to picking up your sin. It's easy. It's easy to do that. What's hard is living 
with godly character. What's hard is living by godly standards. What's hard is saying no to your flesh, even though your, your flesh wants to do this thing, but you know God's word says you shouldn't do it. That's what's hard. That's what's difficult, right? And so when things get hard, you have a choice. Am I going to obey God and be obedient, or will I go back to the old things? And this school year, a lot of you have said this year is going to be different. I'm doing ministry. I'm reaching my friends and all this stuff. And hey, I'll just tell you, at some point this school year, it's going to get a little hard. And you're going to have to decide, will I pick back up these old habits and these old issues and these old problems? Or will I continue to be obedient because I heard the word of the Lord? And I'm telling you, God will give you grace to complete everything he's called you to do. And so Jacob is heading back to the land of his fathers. He hears Esau's coming to him with 400 men, and he's like, skirk, <laughs> skirk. You gotta like bend with it too. <laughs> and so he's gotta choose, am I gonna be obedient? Am I gonna trust the Lord? And, and listen, there's gonna be a moment like that this year, and there's gonna be moments like this in your life as you follow Christ. And I'll just tell you, you know, every, every moment, every season of my life, they're, they're, they're a hard thing. Sometimes being a, a, a pastor is, is pretty hard, right? Sometimes it's like, Lord, I, I thought you called me to do this, and I don't know, Jack won't quit making fun of me, and he hurts my feet. I don't know, I'm just making up stuff now. But sometimes things get hard. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes there's attacks of the enemy. Sometimes it's not all easy, right? but we've got to choose if we're going to continue to trust God and, and be obedient. And so Jacob, like I said, he's not the best example. He kind of trusts God here. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> this is pretty jacked up. <laughs> verse, uh, or chapter 32, verse uh, 22 and 23. It says, the same night he arose and he took his two wives. He shouldn't have two wives. Um, his two female servants and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok, and he took them, yeah, that's a crew. Uh, it's a baseball team, football team. Uh, it says he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Okay, and so what, what is happening here, I want to kind of explain it a little bit so you know how messed up this is. Jacob knows his brother's coming towards him. It might kill him, and so he's scared. So what he does is I'm going to send my wives and my children over before me. Like, go ahead, greet, uh, greet your brother-in-law Esau, right? Like, go have fun. It's like, okay, yeah, that's pretty jacked up. Today, like if I did that to Brittany, she would divorce me. She would expect me to go first, right? Like that's the manly thing to do. Uh, Jacob does the opposite, okay? It's pretty messed up. But despite all of that, despite all of that, he winds up in this position, this, this exact position that God wants him. And I want to read you verse 24. It says this. It says, and Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Okay. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, huh? We were just talking about God, and now we're talking about WWE. Like, I don't know what's happening. German loves wrestling, so I knew he would have liked that one. And so what, this is what I want you to kind of see here. This is what's really kind of neat is, is this fact Jacob he, he, he stays behind, he's by himself, he's alone on the other side of the river, and, and someone shows up. It says he's wrestling with a man. The implications here when you study this story is that he's not just like some guys walking down the river and they start like wrestling up. The reality is, is this man 
They, most scholars believe this man is Christ. This is Christ incarnate. It's, it's called a theophany when he appears in the Old Testament. And, and so Jesus shows up, and, and they have this encounter where they wrestle. <laughs> Anybody's like, I kind of want to be in a wrestling match with Jesus. Hey, if you're in a wrestling match with Jesus, like, don't you just feel like, yeah, like, what's the point? I know I'm about to get worked. Like, <laughs> yeah, the last person, seriously. I think it's really funny, but, but this encounter happens because of what? Because why? It's because Jacob was alone with God. And, and this is my third point, the third truth that I want to leave with you tonight is that we have to get along with God. You know, so many of us, we fill our lives every minute, every day with a screen, with a phone, with text, with Snap, with TikTok, with Instagram, with, uh, with Netflix, and, and all of these things. We, we try to fill our life every moment with, with entertainment. We're always surrounded by and distracted by something. And, and oftentimes, what we don't need is more of our phone and more face-to-face with someone else. We need a moment alone with God. You know, it even makes a lot of our younger culture uncomfortable when you just turn off the TV, you turn off the music, you mute your phone, and you just sit in silence. You're like, I don't know what to do. Right? We're always surrounded by something. And listen, I think one thing that we need to learn, one thing that you need to pull into your life is is every day you need to have a few moments where you turn off all the junk. And you say, more than, than any of this stuff, God, I just need to have a moment with you more than hearing my favorite song, more than scrolling through Instagram so I can, I don't know, uh, judge my life in comparison to everyone else's. God, I need to have a moment with you. Because a lot of us, we don't do this. And Jacob, he has this, this significant encounter with God and it, it all began because he, he gets alone uh, with God. We need to silence a lot of things in our life so we can get along with God. This is one of the simple truths that we all know and very few practice. I know that's like so elementary, but listen, if you would do this, if you would apply this, if you would get along with God every day, if you would seek him like that and, and, and strive to, to meet with him, this school year, I promise you, will be different than last because you cannot do it on your own. But when you are in his presence, when you're being renewed by him every single day, when you're being refreshed by him in the presence of God, I'm telling you, he will strengthen you. You're weak, but he is strong, and we need him. We need his goodness. We need his strength. We need his power. And in those moments and those days when we don't go and meet with him and we don't have these encounters with him and, and moments where we are in pursuit of him, we are saying that we can do it on our own and that we don't need him. And so every day we should silence the voices and things in our culture and say, God, I just need you. And I promise you, if you'll do that, God will meet you. You know, when we worship, a lot of times we feel like, oh, these are just songs. No, it's not a song. Uh, Scripture gives us this idea that as we worship, as we pray, that we can come into the throne room of God and be before him and worship him. And so when you begin to think about how you worship and how you engage with God or when you pray, sometimes students act like it's just empty words and I'm just talking to myself. But no, you're before the King of kings and Lord of lords. How would you act if God were right before you? Because scripture says when you engage, when you enter in worship and prayer, he is. God's here tonight. How would you worship? How would you engage? How would you listen to the word? How would you do these things if God was here? If 
if he was in the room, right? It'd probably be a little different. I'd probably straighten my back up a little bit. I'd probably slide the phone into my pocket and be like, okay, Lord, what, what do you have for me tonight, right? There's some things that should change, and, and our mentality is, is one of those things. We, we need to shift this because I'm telling you, when we say when you get along with God, I mean you are really in the presence of God. You come before God. When we worship God, it says, Scripture says God comes to inhabit the praises of his people, right? That, that God comes and enters the room. So it's not just me chilling out to a song that the band's crushing it on. It's me before God giving him my all because he's here. Come on, it changes things. You and I, we have to get along with God. You have to. If you're, if you're a believer, if you're going to try to live for God this year, if you're going to try to do these things, you have to be empowered by him. You have to be refreshed by him every single day. And Jacob in this story, he's wrestling with a man. He's wrestling with Jesus. And um, it, it's pretty funny because they're wrestling, and at any point, Jesus could just be like, poof, like, this is over. It's like Jesus is, is kind of letting him wrestle, like, letting him have this encounter, like, like, he just, he cares to, I don't even know, almost like lower himself to meet with us sometimes. I, I don't know that if that's even a great way to say it, but but he's so far above us, right? His, his glory surpasses us in such a way. It's, it's greater than, than we could explain or understand, and yet he comes down to, to meet with us, right? And, and so it's so cool to think about that I don't deserve to be in God's presence in any way. I don't deserve his goodness, but yet God wants to meet with me. Is that not something that, that makes you feel like gratitude and, and, and wants you, like, makes you want to praise him a little bit? God meets with me. I don't deserve it in any way. He's so much better than we are. <laughs> he's pure. He's holy. He's righteous. He's all of the things that we are not and better. Come on, some of us. We need to change our mentality a little bit when it comes to worship and these encounters with God. And so I think uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, I want to jump and, and read the kind of last little bit of this passage. But before I do, I want to kind of reiterate this idea. But this school year, be someone who gets along with God. Get along with God every day, every moment you can, and live in these moments of encountering God, just like Jacob does, God gets him alone, and that's when he shows up. And there's something powerful about us worshiping together corporately. There's something great about us coming together as a church body. that There really is, but I'm telling you, there's also something different about when you are in your room alone and you have this desire that you just want to be with God. And there's probably very few of us that do that. But if you would start, it would transform your life. Look with me to these uh, last few verses. There's going to be several, but look with me on the screen. Verse 25, it says, When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jesus was just like, poof. <laughs> ah! <laughs> we need to have a scene up here where we like enact this. <laughs> Verse 26, it says, Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
In verse 27, he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And so Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Okay, I know that was a, a decent little chunk there, but he's wrestling with Jesus. Jesus touches his hip. His hip pops out of place, but he still refuses to let go of this, this moment with God. He wants to be with him so desperately that he's, he's fighting for it, right? There's a, there's a sense of desperation, a desire, a, a, an, an urgency that he just wants to be with God. And, and, and the reality is, is that should be our heart cry that we desire to have a moment with God. So, so bad. We're, we're fighting for, we'll fight through every distraction. We'll fight through every issue, every problem, every, everything that comes against us and because we just want a moment with God. And, and I feel like a lot of the, the modern church, a lot of us, we, we have lost this, this desperation for God. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm desperate for, for more. I'm desperate for encounters with God. I'm desperate for his presence, not just something where we come and we talk about him, but where God is truly with us. I, there, there should be some sense of desperation in your life to, to have an encounter with God that, that would drive you to seek him as we go home, drive you to seek him at school, that others would have him, right? That, that others would meet him. There should be a sense of desperation. There should be a desire to meet with God. And if we don't have it, we need to check our heart. We need to ask God to change it, right? We need to ask God to help us have it. But I think it is so, so cool. One of the most significant things that this whole story teaches, Jacob has this moment with Christ. His hip pops out of place. Most scholars believe that as Jacob goes through his life, he, he, he's now not Jacob. He, he's now not known as the deceiver. He's now not known as his past mistakes, but now he is called Israel. He's the father of Israel, right? He's been made new. He has a new identity. And, and many scholars believe that as he walks through life, he, he forever from this moment on has a limp. He forever has a limp. His life, the way that he walks, the way that he steps through life is forever changed because of this encounter with Jesus. Every step, every moment is different than it was before I had this encounter with God. And, and here's a truth that a lot of our culture has, has squandered. We have turned the gospel and we have turned Jesus into something uh, that we just say that we believe rather in something that comes into our life and transforms us from the inside out. Jesus was not something we add on top. Jesus is something that comes and changes everything in your life. And there's a lot of us, like we talked about the last couple of weeks, that we have sprinkled Jesus on top of our life, and Jesus isn't a sprinkle. Jesus is the main thing. One of the things I've been studying this week, even in my seminary classes, it was talking about uh, there was this uh, anthropological study, big word, uh, that that was studying the difference, the significance, if true Christian conversion had to be coupled uh, with, um, I guess, 
cultural change. And, and so in essence, the, the, the heart of this study, sorry, this isn't in my notes, I'm just trying to remember stuff. Um, the, the essence of this study is pretty much saying this, this missionary, he, he did this analysis of a uh, little village group in uh, the country of Papua New Guinea. I'm going to pretend, I think that's how you say it. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's right north of Australia. If, if you don't know where that is. But he did this study of this village group that they went, they did mission work there. It was a village of about 400 people. They spread the gospel message to them and then they, they anal- like, uh, examined, I guess, their response. And so what they saw is when they began to receive the gospel and understand what Jesus did for them, that it began to change every aspect of their life and their culture. So it began to change their cultural traditions, their beliefs, uh, their school systems. All of these things were was subject to their change, their newfound belief in Jesus Christ. And so what it was so cool, what they kind of realized is that true Christian conversion always is coupled with cultural change. And so if, if Jesus for you is just something that you sprinkle on your life and it doesn't change you from the inside out, I would argue that you have not really been saved. Because when you truly receive the message of the gospel, when you truly receive what Jesus did, when you truly understand how much he loves you, that he gave his life for you, although you are still a sinner, it changes the way that you think the way that you act, the way that you live, the way that you encounter people at your school, it changes every aspect. Does this make sense tonight? God transforms us from the inside out. His gospel is transforming. When we have an encounter with Jesus, it changes us for the rest of our lives. You walk differently. You think differently. We act differently. You talk differently. Because all of a sudden, I've had an encounter with God. I walk through life with a limp. And so point four tonight is that an encounter with God changes your life forever. An encounter with God will change your life forever. And listen to me, a lot of us in this room, we, maybe you haven't had a, a, a significant encounter with God. And I want to tell you, if that's your heart, if you, if you desire it out of desperation, this, this desire like Jacob had where he's wrestling with God, I promise you that if you seek him with that sort of desperation, that God will show up and encounter you. God will show up in your life because our God is faithful. God is faithful and he will come and reveal himself to you. And I promise if you do have an encounter with God, it'll change your life forever. You'll forever walk with a limp, spiritually, not physically. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to walk with a limp. You know, I'm the only one who thought that was funny. (laughs) Um, Don't give me a pity clap. (laughs) Um, Are we at golf? I'm really confused. Okay. This is what we've been praying for this year. This is what I've been praying for you guys. And I want to ask Zach and, and the band to come up. But I've been praying that this year would be a year where we walk differently. We think differently. Our mindsets change. Our actions change where we pursue God. And, and, and this is the significant truth that you can hold on. You know, Jacob had this encounter 
with God in the Old Testament, but what, what the New Testament, the New Covenant really kind of teaches us is that we no longer have to have just these momentary encounters with God, but we can live in his presence. We can live in God's goodness. That means you can bring God's presence with you at school. You can bring God's presence with you at home. You can have these encounters, these moments with God every step of every day as you walk with him and the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we don't just have to desire to have an encounter with him, but we can live with him every moment of every day. And so tonight, I want to kind of challenge you, I want to encourage you, hey, maybe you're here and there's some things that you need to leave behind. And some of you, maybe you've left some things behind, but now that we're back at school, they look a little more appealing, right? It's kind of challenging to say no. It's challenging not to, to go back. It's challenging not to go back to the old thing. And tonight, you just need to say, Lord, I, I need your help. I need your help to be obedient. I need your help to, to run after you. Hey, maybe tonight, you have not had the discipline, this, this uh, routine of getting along with God and encountering him. Maybe you come to church and it's just like a hangout. Maybe you like the music, but you don't really engage with God. Man, I believe that tonight can be a night where you begin to engage with him and it begins to forever change your life. And some of us, we need to instill, we need to, to, to take and apply this discipline that every day I'm gonna get along with God. Every day I need a moment with him because I can't live life on my own. And trust me, when I try to do things on my own, (laughs) I mess up and I do stupid stuff. But when I realize I can't make it and I go to God, that's when great things happen. And so whether you need to lay things down, whether you need to start getting along with God and you just desire to have an encounter with him, I believe God wants to meet with us tonight. And so I want us to have a moment for altar ministry where we kind of shift our heart a little bit where we come before God not out of routine not just because this is what we do at church and it's altar time and I'm going to stand in another song but tonight could we try to position our hearts to where we're desperate to encounter God isn't there something wrong if Christians if believers if those who know him don't even want to spend time with him right And we get so consumed with other things in our life that that's often what happens. And tonight, if we would come before God in a sense of of desperation, of longing to be with him, I promise God will come and he can do more in an instant in his presence than any of us could ever do, counseling you or giving you advice. God can change your life. We cannot. And so we want to have a moment where we just go before God and we worship, we seek him, when we cry out to him, whatever you need, whatever you need God to break through in your life, whatever you need to surrender, whatever you don't need to go back to, if you want to have an encounter, whatever it is, God can meet the need tonight.